Good morning and welcome to Crossroads. Let's all stand up as we go into time of praise and worship. If you're visiting with us, welcome. We're so glad that you're here.
Lord Jesus, we come before you today, God, with very little to give, God, but, but worship you, God. I just ask that you meet us here today, Lord Jesus, that your Holy Spirit would overcome us, God, and that no one would leave the same, Jesus. We thank you, Father, that we can worship here freely. In Jesus' name. Lord of all the earth and all of heaven, come and seek your name. Worship you. Oh 
Come on and praise him this morning. Amen. And today we're going to be doing something very special. We're going to be commissioning Abaji today. And uh, we are the church who is going to be most supporting him. We're his, matter of fact, his main support to take the cause of Christ into India. And as you worship God today, you're literally not just saying, God, I love you. You're being used by God to reach out to hundreds of thousands. We're going to talk today maybe about millions being touched. So let's praise God and worship now together. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give to you to worship you, to bless you, Lord, as we come to you joyously saying that we know we want to honor you in the way that you've asked us to. We know you've asked for this, and we do it out of love in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope you're going to get excited about this. I know I am. Uh, Dr. Ajay Lal is one of those men that God has used in an incredible way. They've started over 800 churches. 200,000 people are worshiping in India today directly as a result of the ministry of him and his team. And uh, he has an amazing son, Abhijit, who graduated from San Jose Bible College. And of all the churches in the United States, and actually in the world, they've asked that Crossroads, we be the one to commission him. Would you welcome Dr. Ajay Lal, his wife, Indu, and Abhijit as they come up today. Welcome them right now. Man, I love this family, and I love what God's using them to do, and uh, I know you're proud of your son. Oh, what a blessing, and Ajay's going to share a little bit about that, but uh, let us know what's happening, man. Thank you, Pastor Chuck. Thank you, Crossroads family. It's a privilege to be with you again. I remember 12 years ago, my wife and I came here for the first time, and since that time, this is our seventh time to be with you. Uh, we praise God for our partnership. We praise God for your love and your generosity. And uh, this is a very, very significant and special moment in our lives and in our family uh, as Abhijit has graduated and uh, he is getting ready to go back and work with us um, and reach the millions and millions of unreached young people especially. Um, before Abhijit was born, many years before, my wife Indu has been praying, was praying every day that God, if you will give us a son, uh, we will raise him as a preacher. And, uh, and God heard our prayers, and Abhijit graduated, and he gave his life to serve the Lord in India. Um, we, thank you, thank you. We, we live in the country of 1.2 billion people, and we work in the area where Christians are less than 1%. So still, there are millions and millions of people who have never heard about Jesus Christ. Um, it is, it is a dangerous time to live in India because of the persecution um, of Christians, because of their faith. Preachers are being killed. Christians are being tortured um, in many areas. Uh, thousands and thousands of Christians in some areas of India. Uh, but I believe that it is the most exciting time because God is opening many doors and many hearts where people are seeking the answer and we are there to tell people that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. So thank you for making part of Abhijit, uh, uh, of your ministry. We love you. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And uh, let's put Abhijit right here. You know what is, didn't you share last hour, 65% are 25 and younger? Right. So think about that. Of the 1.2 billion, 25 or 65% are under the age of 25. Abhijit's main ministry is going to be going to take the gospel to that young adult crowd. 
to reach out in an incredible way. And because of uh, the globalization we experienced through uh, television today being shot out, it, is, it has literally brought our world closer together. What he's about to do is amazing, and we share something. Uh, I was mentored by a man named Les Christie. Abhijit was also when he was at San Jose Bible College. And so I really believe God's going to use a lot of what Les poured in your life, your mom and your dad, uh, a lot of those things. So, you know, we really believe that God's going to use this. Now, here's what I want us to pray for. Uh, God has used Ajay and his wife in such an incredible way, but we're going to ask for a double anointing on Abhijit. So where they reach 200,000, he'll reach a million. And uh, that's what we're praying for now. It's a big, big prayer, but we serve a big God and you have a heart to do it. So Ronnie's going to be praying for that as uh, our Generate crowd is a part of it. Then Ajay will pray and then I want to pray over him. Let's ask God to set him aside now in an incredible way. Holy Spirit, we ask that uh, there is a revival, that a revival is sparked in India, God, that you use the law family in an incredible way. Mm-hmm. God, we pray that uh, we would see uh, your, your, your cause and who you are move in the hearts and, and, and the souls of those people over there. They would begin to cry out for your truth. They would just begin to cry out for you and more of you. God, I thank you for the way that you've used the law family, the way that you called them uh, into your kingdom and the way that they've raised Abhijit to be a man of God. And Lord, as he responds to the call that you've placed in his life, I pray that he would take the pains that are necessary with the ministry that you've called him to. God, I pray that he would fulfill the ministry that you've called him to. Lord, I pray that his teaching would grow deeper, that his leading would grow deeper and that his yeah. preaching would grow deeper. We pray for millions to come to know you, God, because that place is ripe. It is ripe for the harvest, God, and we pray that you would use this family in an incredible way. We thank you for what you've stirred here to be able to use uh, throughout the world and to, uh, for your kingdom, God. We thank you and we love you. Yes, God. Father, we are so thankful that you have allowed us to be your children and you have given us privilege to be your servants. Father, we are so thankful for making us one with Crossroads family (laughs) and above all, making us one through your son, our savior, Lord Jesus Christ. Father, as Abhijit starts his ministry, we pray, Father, that he he will be faithful to you until the end of his life. We pray, Father, that your angels will protect him, that your Holy Spirit will guide him, and that your word will always be in his heart. Yes, we God. pray, Father, that, um, that above all, whatever he does whatever, will bring honor and glory to you. We, mm-hmm. we are so thankful that as he starts his ministry, we can, as, as a part of your family, can come, to, can come to you and thank you and ask your blessing on, on Abhijit. Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Father, we're humbled that we are allowed to partner with such an amazing ministry as the Law family has had and all the churches and all the leaders that they have. Some of them are uh, very, very dear friends and family have paid the ultimate price to serve you. Uh, Some, Lord, have uh, undergone things that are just literally beyond what we could imagine. And yet they've done it with faithfulness and you've blessed and blessed and blessed and we thank you for that. God, today we thank you that Abhijit is fulfilling what his mother's prayer was. As he graduated from college, as he now gets ready to go preach at Christ and Youth Conferences in this country, as he gets ready to go lead an amazing ministry uh, to the next generation in India, God, may he be used by you in a way that is beyond what we can imagine. And where uh, Ajay has been used in an amazing way, and we pray that would continue. God, I pray that now Abhijit would get a double anointing and go forward and even do more amazing things. Give him creativity. Give him insight. Give him your protection. Give him teams of people around him who share the same vision. And God, most of all, I pray you would just really give him success. And I pray hundreds and hundreds of thousands, up to a million and even more, would be reached because of the ministry that they're able to pour into. And may it literally be earth-shaking and exciting as we watch them touch lives in amazing ways. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Praise God for you, man. Praise God for you. How exciting. How exciting, you guys. Thank you. Thank oh. By the way, after this service in our family room, uh, the Law family will be there. There's a lunch being served. Abhijit will be there. They're going to talk about the ministry. Uh, we'd love to have you come be a part of that. Uh, and then Pam and I and Ronnie and Natalia and Dr. David Smith and his wife Karen are going to be in India in January. And uh, we're going to go and, and watch what's happening and, and, and just be a part of encouraging that. So we love our partnership with what's happening there. Uh, and it really fits into what we're going into today. By the way, Ephesians 3, verse 14 is where we want to be. Uh, if this, uh, this is so exciting. Paul is about to pray. And he's praying uh, and asking God to do an amazing thing, impossible things in your life and my life. And I want you to grab how impossible this prayer seems. And yet we're serving a God of the impossible. God does amazing things. And we need to understand that. In verse 14, he says these words, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. What's the reason, he says? It's going back to chapter 1. Because, by the way, if you're with me, in chapters 1, 2, and 3 of this letter to the Ephesians is the theology. And he ends it by talking and, and saying to God, but I beg for this, Lord. I bow my knees for this. And then in 4, 5, and 6, he gets into the practical side of how we walk worthy of Christ. And so I want to have you grab how practical that gets in marriage and in friendship and life in general. But all of this is found according to chapter 1 in Christ. In him, in Christ, in him, in Christ, amazing things happen. In chapter 2, we find our salvation. How? In Christ. Through God's grace, by faith, we find ourselves in Christ, not according to works. And we find God doing amazing things in our life. And then in chapter 3, he said, but here's the mystery. It's for everybody. It's for every tribe, tongue, nation, and people. Anybody who would get in Christ, come into a relationship with him, then what happens is we end up experiencing these amazing things from God. And I want you to know that's true. It's true for us as we sit in this church. It's true for our friends and family in India. By the way, it's true for a family in Kenya. Last week we saw, I think, God do a miracle. I asked you to gather together. We had Kathy Roberts come out and she shared a heartfelt prayer request. Her little girl, Tim and her, are sponsoring Jane. And Jane did not know what happened to her brother. And so we prayed and asked God in the sea of poverty that exists in the slums of Kenya, if God would guide the teams we have over there to find this young boy. We prayed he'd be okay. We prayed he'd be all right. And I want to tell you something. We prayed that prayer last Sunday. On Monday, he was found. Isn't that a praise? He's in ninth grade. He's okay. We're going to make sure he has more of a future and a hope than ever. But are you ready for this? What Jane did not know, a little four-year-old Jane did not know, she also has a sister. And so they're all going to be reunited. I think God answered our prayer. And I don't know if you catch how hard that is. God does that. And Paul said, for this reason I bow my knees. Do you know what bow my knees means? It means I'm begging God for this. When you get on your knees before a sovereign, you're begging, you're humbling yourself. And what is Paul begging for? Now, don't miss it. In verse 15, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. He's begging for a unity to come together. And no matter who you are, where you live, what language you speak, what background you have, what that ethnicity you are, that we all come into the presence of God. And he says, I want that to occur. 
Now, I love that. We talked about that last week, that God has called for a diversity in the church. He loves the color of the church. And, and, and God loves the color of your hair, the color of your eyes, the color of your skin, and he wants you to appreciate other people. By the way, I, I just don't know if you get excited about this either. I, I get excited. On June 5th, uh, we're going to have a group of Korean pastors coming to our 9 a.m. service. Now, if you come at 11, I encourage you to get here early. Here's why. I want you to greet them as they come out. But these men are, 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 and women are leaders in the church in Korea. God's using them in amazing ways. They want to come and worship with us. By the way, they want to come and learn from us, which blows my mind. Now, here's why. Because I, last time they were here, the pastor of the Young Nok Presbyterian Church in Seoul, Korea was with them. And he came up to me and through an interpreter, he's like, Pastor Chuck, I'm so honored to meet you. Well, I was honored to meet him. And uh, I asked him, I said, so how large is your church? He goes, oh, it's not that big, only 25,000. And I said, why are you coming to learn from us? And you know what he said through the interpreter? He said, oh, every week I sit down with his interpreter and he watches my sermon online. And I said, I said you do? I go, why? And, and they laughed and laughed and finally they got it out. He thinks I look like Jesus. Pam doesn't agree. <laughs> but you know what? What a great fellowship we have with these amazing, amazing leaders. Matter of fact, the head of the, the Olympic Committee for Karate uh, was here, and I think it's going to be here again for the Korean uh, church, our Korean uh, nation. And, and they're going to come, and they're in love with God, and they want to be in fellowship with us. And do you catch that? It's every tribe, tongue, and nation, Korea, India, Kenya, Bolivia, everywhere. And God wants us to be that way and celebrate that. And then Paul prays this. Are you ready? Verse 16. He said, for this reason, what does he pray? That he, that God would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. Now, he's talking about inside you. He's going to ask for certain things to occur within you. Why? Because if these things happen inside of you, they'll come out of you. And the first thing he says is that you and I, not according to our works, not according to our knowledge, not according even to our tenacity, that you and I would be strengthened with the power of his might in the inner man, that inside you, God strengthens in you. Inside you, God empowers for you. He's praying for this. He's begging for this. What is he saying? I want a vitality in you. I want you invigorated by God's power. In other words, you wake up in the morning by the power of God. You get up and go into your day by the power of God. Isaiah 40, 29 to 31 says this, for he gives strength to the weary and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Did you see, God doesn't just give you power, he increases it and it increases and increases and increases. I wanna ask this to stop. Is that you? Now think about it. Is that, do you go, that's me. Something keeps increasing. Something gets more and more and more. Verse 30 says, though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up on like wings of eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will not walk and not, they will walk and not become weary. You know, God's saying, he's saying to me, Chuck, you're now in your 50s. Guess what? You ought to have more power than you've ever had before. Your body is failing. I look in the mirror and can see it. 
But the Spirit grows more powerful. There's something greater happening. God wants us to know that. Man, I heard T.D. Jakes ask this question. I love it. He said, what do you get up in the morning for? What gets you up in the morning? And I, I, I got to tell you what gets me up in the morning. You know the number one thing is that part about waiting on God. Man, I, I wake up in the morning so excited to grab my Bible and coffee and go be with him. Man, I, it's something. It's like I can't wait to see what he's going to do. I never know what God's going to say. I never know what I'm going to get. I just know he's waiting for me. And I get so excited about it. It's going to sound like bragging, but today, today was my 3,201st straight day of meeting with God without a break. And I love it. And it, by the way, let me tell you this, it doesn't get old, it gets newer. It gets more exciting. I remember when I hit 1,000 straight days, I thought, wow, but you know what? I love it more, and I love it more, and I love it more. And I actually, you know, it's because you're in love with someone, you can't wait to see them. And I get up in the morning, and I can't wait to see them. And God says, when you do that with me, you and me, when we do that with him, he renews our strength. He gets vigor and passion and excitement. And by the way, if that didn't excite you, I don't know why it doesn't. I heard another black pastor said, if this doesn't excite you, then you, you don't know what you're like. If this doesn't light your fire, your wood is wet. If it doesn't ring your bell, you don't have a clangor. You know, and, and the thing is, do you have it? Do you have the power of God moving in you? Paul prayed for it. He's begging God for it. And by the way, God wants it for you. We need to understand that. You might say, yeah, but, but I, I'm sick or I have a weakness in my life or I'm impoverished or I'm, and you know what? None of the outward things matter. Paul, Paul said, you know what? I've got a thorn in my flesh, but guess what? I get new strength from God. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For, ready? Look at power. Power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, I would rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Do you hear that word? Power, power, power. Verse 10. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distress, with persecution, with difficulty. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, I hope you say that. I hope you look in the mirror and say, oh, it might be deteriorating, but I'm strong. You know why? This is just the frame. The picture is what's on the inside in Jesus Christ and what he's doing in our life. And, and God has this for you. Don't miss it. Paul said, the surpassing greatness of his power is in you. Surpassing greatness according to the riches of his grace. God wants you to experience it. Listen to how he said it to the Colossians. I want you to read the whole section with me. Colossians 1, 9 to 12. He says, for this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthen, now catch this, strengthen with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience and joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. Did you, or light. Did you catch this? It's not some power. It's not a little power. It's all the power of God given to you. By the way, that's why, and you may not agree with this, I actually, I hate, I hate the word okay. Now, you may not, but I walk up to people, how you doing? Okay. What do you mean okay? You're a child of the king. You're empowered by the Holy Spirit. You've been freed by the blood of Christ, but you're okay? How do we just be okay in that moment? Man, you know what? How's life going? Oh, it's good. Oh, really? God said, call to me and I will show you good things. No, great and mighty things. 
And, and, and that's the life you and I are to live. And, and you know what? We ought to have an enthusiasm coming out of us. Now, if your personality is not mine, that's okay. But the word enthusiasm comes from the Greek word entheos, which means to be in God. And I want to tell you, when you're in God, great things happen. And when God's in you, it goes to a whole new level. And that's what you and I are supposed to do. For God, according to 2 Timothy 1.7, has not given us a spirit of timidity, but a power and love and self-control. God has not given you a spirit of timidity. If you have the Holy Spirit, you have power, and God wants you to experience it. And here's the thing. Some people might say, but you know, it doesn't describe my life. And I want to ask you. I want to ask you why. It's not that God doesn't love you. It's not that God's not God. It's not that Paul didn't pray this prayer knowing the answer could be yes. It's the question is, do you believe? Do you believe that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith is the next thing? That you and I would access by faith is what we're going to see. And that's why when Jesus in Mark chapter 9 was standing there, a person came up and said, Lord, if you can, would you heal my son? Do you remember what Jesus said? If you can, if you can, all things are possible to him who what? Hey, some of you know it. Do we all know it? All things are possible to him who? Let's try it together. Pretend you're with me. All things are possible to him who? Believe. Do you believe? Do you believe it? You know what? God says if you believe in me, if you trust me, if you open up to me, you're going to find impossible things happening in your life. One of which is you're filled with the power of God. It's yours. Paul begged for it. He says, this is what I'm praying for. I'm on my knees so you could have this. And God wants to say yes. The question is, do we believe him? Now, I, I want to talk to you about this here. I meet a lot of Christians, Christians who have a failure mentality. They really do. You know, I, I would love to be close to God. Well, guess what? If you'd love to be close to God, then you should be. I'd love to live a great Christian life. By the way, you should then. You know, I, I would love to see God move. I, you know, all those things are there for you. Do you realize it's possible to live the great Christian life now in your life? It's not probable. It's not out of reach. It's yours if you want it. All you got to do is open up to him. Let him empower you. Let him call you. Now I know, see that I meet people going, yeah, but I might fail. Well, that's called failure mentality. By the way, if you fall, what does the Bible said? A righteous man falls seven times and gets back up. Don't look at yourself. Look at him. Whenever I hear people say, well, I might. Well, you're looking in you. Look at him. He can do it for you. He wants to do it for you. Please don't miss this. God's great desires, you would experience it. And then look what it says in verse 17. I want you to be empowered by God so that, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, if you're here today and you're a Christian, you ought to go, wait, 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 what? What if I, I walked up to you today and said, man, I just hope, you know, are you a Christian? Yeah, I am. I hope you have Jesus in your heart. Well, don't you have Jesus in your heart when you're a Christian? Doesn't he come in? 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, test yourselves, see if you are in the faith, examine yourselves, or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Christ Jesus is in you, unless indeed you fail the test. Now, what was Paul praying? He knew he was talking to Christians. He said, I am begging you that they would be empowered by you and that Jesus may dwell in their hearts through faith. Now, the word dwell doesn't mean to come live in. It means to be at home in. I want you to catch the difference. Jesus is in you if you're a Christian. The question is, is he at home there? Uh, have you ever been in a place at somebody's house, but you felt like you, you wanted to get out as fast as you could? Any of you been that way? 
Have you ever been in a place that it's like, oh man, I cannot wait to get out of here. I, I, and you know what? That's, you don't feel at home. You don't feel at home. Pam and I one time allowed someone to come live with us for about six months. And you know what? About two weeks in, our house did not feel like our home. They literally made it so uncomfortable. They made it so bad. We tried to work through it, but it just got to the place. You, you, they literally, it was a house now and not a home anymore. Now, I want you to know, when something is in that setting, it makes it almost impossible for you to feel at home. I, uh, I have some friends, and I love these people, and they know I'm going to tell this story. But what happened is uh, they don't, they're not in this state, and they ask if I would come and preach at their church. And I said, oh, I'd love to. And then when I landed and got in the car, they said, we got good news for you. We don't want you to be in a hotel all by yourself. You're going to come stay at our house. And I was like, oh, great. That's, I mean, I love you guys, but that's like, I'm, I'm weird that way, okay? And, and, and then they, they were like, but we just want you to feel at home. Well, we got to their house, and they honestly are a great family. I love them. I love their kids. But, but I went and put my bags up in the room, and I came down, and I'm walking around, and my head's starting to feel real foggy, and my eyes are starting to water. And I said, oh, do you have cats? And they said, yeah, we have four. <laughs> well, I'm allergic to cats. So I thought, I got to run upstairs and get my Benadryl. And I open up the door and four cats are rummaging around in my suitcase. <laughs> now, I know some of you love cats. We're praying for you. But, uh, <laughs> but when you're allergic to cats, now you don't even want to touch your clothes. You don't want to go near your suitcase. You don't want to. And, and, and you know what? It's, it's, I got to tell you, I love this family. And, and now we kind of laugh about it because I probably should have said something quicker. But you know what? I, I just, much as I love them, I'm never going to feel at home in their house because of those cats. Now, now I want to tell you, in Ezekiel chapter 8, God, I love this chapter, God grabs Ezekiel by the hair and lifts him up in the air. And he carries him from Babylon all the way to Jerusalem and sets him down. And the first thing he sees is right in front of the temple, which is to be the house of God, he sees an idol of jealousy. Now, what does that mean? It means there was something there that grieved the heart of God, something there that did not belong in his house. And then he said, Ezekiel, I don't even want you to go through that gate near that idol. There's a hole in the wall. Dig a hole. And you dig and you crawl in. And when he crawled in and began to look on what was on the inside, he saw vile words written on the wall. I, I want to tell you today, let me ask you this, all you guys who love the Lord, if you walked in here today and there was cursing graffiti words on the, up here by the cross and, and there were horrible things written over there, wouldn't you almost go, no, not in this place. Not in this place. Well, guess what? You're the temple of God and I'm the temple of God. When that kind of stuff's in there, God isn't happy. He's not at home. I mean, you've got to change something at that point. Then Ezekiel looked and the priests were turned with their back to God, facing out, worshiping a false god, and God's heart broke. And the women are crying not over God, but over Tammuz, a false deity. They had the uh, fertility rites attached to it, and the idea that blessing would come from something other than God. And God says, do you see what they're doing in my house? And God said, my glory, my presence can't remain there. And so he left, the glory of God departs. I want to tell you, Christians, if we don't make God feel at home, it's we're pushing him out. He wants to, but he wants to feel at home in you. If your, your heart is not a place of love, if your heart's not a place of purity, if your mind isn't focusing on things of God, then God does not feel at home. If there's raging, can you imagine if you went to someone's house and you're sitting there and they got into a, a, a raging fight in front of you? Would you look at them and say, hey, uh, could you give me dessert while I watch this? I mean... 
No, you'd be, I want out the door. How many times are we raging and mad and upset and God says, I don't want to be here? Or we're bitter and God's like, I don't want to be here. Or, or we're viewing things in our mind, thinking things and thoughts that are sexually impure. And God's like, I don't want to. Do you realize God has feelings? And he loves you. And he wants to be at home in you. And, and that's why Paul says, I want God to dwell in your, I want Jesus to dwell in your hearts by faith. I want you to have faith. By the way, one of the things that drives the Lord to a place of discomfort is when you and I don't believe. He wants to be there because we have faith. That's why it's interesting in Revelation chapter three, Jesus talking to a church says this, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him. It's like, what Lord? This is a church. These are Christians. And he says, but you know what? You push me out. But I'll tell you what, I'm not leaving. I'm standing outside saying, let me back in. I love you. I care with you. I care about you. Open up to me. And I'm going to come into you. By the way, he does not at all want to be distant. He wants intimacy. And that's the thing you got to grab. It says in the beginning that God wants to empower you. And the idea of dwelling in your hearts by faith is he wants intimacy with you. And Paul says, I want you to be empowered because of the riches of his grace. And I want intimacy in you because you have faith in him and you live your life faithfully for him. That's his great desire. And Jesus said, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anybody would open up to me, I would come into him and dine with him. Now, I know you know it, but I'm going to repeat it again. The word dine is the word for the evening meal. And it's a place of intimacy where you share life together. And then he goes on in verses 17 to 19 to say this. And that you, that you being rooted and grounded in love. In other words, everything that comes out of you is because you're rooted and grounded in love. Not in bitterness, not in selfishness, not in uh, uh, a pride, but it's because you're grounded in love. And everything that flows out of that, that you being rooted and grounded in love, and then he prays a prayer that you got to go, whoa, wait a minute. Now, don't think about it. Look at it. Don't miss it. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all up to all the fullness of God. Now, you catch what he's saying? He's going, God's love is so great. When you begin to comprehend the height of it, the length of it, the width of it, the breadth of it, you go, wow, the whole volume of God's love is amazing to you. And he says, guess what? It surpasses all understanding, but I want you to know it. Now, what is he saying? He's saying, you'll never actually just learn it. You're never going to have it explained to you. He says, but I want you to know it. And the word know there is a Greek word, gnosko, and it means to know by experience. In other words, you and I are never going to know this love unless we experience it. But when we do, it surpasses all understanding and all knowledge. It goes beyond what we could ever, ever hope to describe to anybody. It's literally amazing. Uh, I always knew that there would be this thing called love out there. Love for a man and a woman that would be incredible. But I did not understand it until I experienced it with Pam. Man, today I got to tell you every single day, every single week, month, year, I fall more in love with her. I get more amazed at her. Yesterday I was just looking at her and I thought, whoa, I love you. And it just, it just keeps going to a greater depth. And you know what? God, I couldn't tell you what it's like. I can't describe it. But man, when you experience it, it becomes amazing. I feel that for my son. I feel that for my, my grandchildren. I feel it uh, uh, just for the way God just moves that way. And when you experience God, it's something you go, oh, 
wow. And you can't tell anybody what it's like. But I can tell you, you want it. I can tell you when you have it happen, you're going to know it. And you're going to be literally enthralled in it. D.L. Moody was literally uh, the pastor of the largest church in the United States in Chicago, Illinois. And, and he was being used in Chicago and across the country and eventually around the world. But one day he walked out to preach. His sir, if you wanted to get to church there, you had to come an hour early to get a seat. And he walked out to preach. There were two ladies sitting right here. And when he went to preach, they just bowed their heads and kind of had their mouths moving. And he kept thinking, what are they doing? Why aren't they? And it bothered him that he didn't have, he thought they're just not. And, and, and so after the service, he went up and said, uh, what were you doing? They said, we were praying for you. He said, well, you weren't listening. They said, no, we were praying. He said, well, then why are you taking two of the best seats? They go, so we could pray for you. He said, well, if you're going to pray, then you pray outside. The next week he walked up and they're sitting outside. They smile at him and he goes in and the doors are open. The whole time he's preaching, you can see them out there just praying. And he thought, for some reason, it bothered him. And he went out to him and he said, what are you praying for? And they said, we're praying that you're going to come to know the love of God like you never have before. And that God's spirit's going to empower you. And for some reason, again, he was bothered by that. By the way, I would love for you to pray that for me. And I hope you'd love it if we pray it for you. But for some reason, it bothered him. And so he finally said, well, you know what? I, I have the Holy Spirit. They go, we know you do, but not the way you need to. And they said, well, I know God loves me. They said, no, you don't. Not the way you need to. And so they prayed and prayed and prayed. According to Dwight Ellen Moody, after a few months of this, he was in a hotel room in Boston, Massachusetts. And he said the love of God came upon him in a way he could not describe. He said it was so amazing, so incredible, that he actually said, God, please stop or I'll die. He said, God, you've got to stop or this will kill me. He said, but after that, he was never the same. Now he goes, I can't tell you how it felt, but I got to tell you, I felt it. I can't tell you what it was like, but I can tell you I was amazing. And God's power came upon him and love came upon him, and he knew it was God. Charles Finney talks about how he was craving that kind of an interaction with God, that intimacy with God. And one night, walking through the woods on a snowy night, he realized, oh, something happened. And he rushed to his house, and he sat alone in his study with the fire blazing. And he said the Spirit of God came out upon him in such a way that he just began to cry. And he said, I can't tell you. It was just the love of God. And he said, I can't. And when you have that happen, it's amazing. John Wesley called that the second grace work. I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm just telling you God at different times in your life wants to envelop you in his love. He wants you to know his love. Uh, v. Raymond Edmond wrote a book that I love. And if you've never read it, it's called They Found the Secret. Dr. Edmond was the president of Moody Bible Institute. And he describes how like Oswald Chambers and other people experienced a time with God like this. And everybody had it happen in a unique way that God wanted for them. But there's something that happens when you say to God, I want this. God, I pray that it would come upon me in such a way that I would know it. I would know your love. I would know the intimacy. I would know this. And then it says at the end of that verse that you and I may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now, I want to say this. Here's the question. Do you want that? Because if you get filled up to all the fullness of God, there's nothing left. 
All those other things have got to get put away. It's like God being poured into you in such a way that you look around and it's all about the Lord. It's about being in love with him and living life with him and for him. And everything else is driven out. And you just begin to think about him and think about what matters and see people with love and see life with victory and see power working in you. The fullness of God. Now think about that. You could have that. The glory of God moving in such a way, the power of God moving in such a way, the love of God moving in such a way that God would do it to you. And think about what he's praying for. He's saying, I'm praying you'd be empowered by God with a passion and a vigor that never, ever ends. I'm praying you'd be intimate with Jesus so he's always there in a friendship, in a love relationship that's intimate and close and it's like being at home. And I'm praying that God's love would be so amazing to you that you can't even describe it. He said, I want all that to happen. And then Paul says this in the next verse, verse 20. Now to him was able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Did you catch this? Now I want to go back. He's praying you would be so empowered by God that it would just literally emanate from you. He's praying that you would be so intimate with the Lord that he'd be at home within you. He's praying God's love would be so amazing to you that you can't even describe it and the fullness of God would take over. And he said, but God can do even more than that. Did you catch what he said? He's able to do even greater than that, more incredible than that, more amazing than that. Paul said, that's my God and he's your God. And if you haven't caught it, he wants this for you. There isn't one of you here, he doesn't want it for you. As a matter of fact, that call of God goes to you and to me. In Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and mighty things you do not know. Now, now don't miss this. If you're a part of the family here, if you're a Christian, if you're in love with God, God says, call to me. Call to me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things. In other words, that's the life you're meant to live. And I want you to know that. It's for you. That's the great theology of all. And if you were with us in the beginning, why? It's because of his great love that he wants this for you. God's desire is for you to experience this and live it. Please, please want it. Please open up to it. If the Lord's knocking, say, okay, come in and take it. And God's got things you can't imagine for you. And I hope you're living that. I hope you're experiencing it. And I hope that describes you. A vitality and energy that's from God himself. Uh, a, a depth of love that's from God himself. And, and the idea that God is filling your life constantly. That's what you were meant for. That's Paul's great prayer. And by the way, I can promise you this. You know what God wants to say to that prayer? He wants to say yes, yes, yes. So I want you to think about, is that happening in your life? Does that describe you? Is that who you are? Is that what's the, the kind of life you're living? Right now it's yours. Right now he wants it. If you're here today and you're brand new to all this, we're about to go to a time of prayer. And Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. When we get quiet, I'm going to ask you something. Is he knocking? Do you sense him touching you? And if so, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you right where you're sitting to whisper a prayer where you say to him, come in. Come forgive me of my sins. Come cleanse me. Come make me new. Come, come do that. And I'm going to ask you to do that. I'm going to ask you to say, come in. And if you've never done it before, I think you're going to sense God calling you. And if you feel that tug, if you feel that movement, what I want you to do is go, okay, God, that's it. And I want to ask you just to whisper this prayer. Today, if you're a Christian, is Jesus at home in you? 
Or is something going on? Is there a problem? Are you two not close? And today, I'm going to ask you to do this. Would you be willing to say to the Lord, get rid of anything in my life that shouldn't be there? And I'm going to open up to you. I'm going to ask you to come and be my Lord. Come and be my, my dad. Come and be my Savior. Come and draw me close. I want intimacy with you, and I want it. So God, I'm going to ask you today to open up. Help me open up. And I'm going to say, come in. Maybe at one time you were so close, but now you need to be again. Maybe you've done something, and I want you to know he's, he would never stop loving you. But I'm going to ask you to say, God, come in. And then when you do, say, fill me with your love and get ready. It may happen now, it may happen tomorrow, but say, I want to just grow closer and closer. And it's not about the experience, it's about experiencing this with you. Let's pray. Oh, my Lord, I love you. And I pray that this church is a place that's empowered by you. That God, that according to the riches of your grace, you would give power to us as a church family and as individuals within this church. Father, I pray that you would dwell in our hearts by faith. Oh, that it would just be there, Jesus, that you could come and that you love being with us, that we're at home with you, honest with you, filled with joy with you. Lord, I, I pray right now too that we would just literally know the, the, the breadth of your love, the length of your love, the height, the width, the depth. Lord, all of it would be ours. And God, that it would start pouring in. So I ask right now, Lord, that your spirit start to move amongst us. God, begin to quicken us. All of us who know you, God, let us even be drawn closer. And oh, our Father in heaven, our Dad, I pray right now for anybody who does not know you. I ask for your spirit to start to stir up on them, within them. Right now, they could sense it. Something beyond understanding. They could sense it's the time. God, I pray for a person who's sitting here and they just almost feel that the word hard would describe them. But now, Lord, it's like they're melting because your love's there. Father, I pray for the person who's here today and they've, they've thought this can't be true but it's for them. And I pray, God, their heart is now beginning to feel you and sense you. Father, for the person that's so caught in just their mind, their heart has never been alive, God, I pray right now they're sensing you. For a woman who's sitting here, she's thought, if there is a God, how could these things have happened to me? God, I pray right now she's sensing you and it just all of a sudden she's amazed. Amazed at what you're doing. So God, I pray you begin to touch everybody who needs to say yes. I pray for the one who needs to come for the first time and the one who needs to come back. And God, I pray right now you're going to prepare us to really have times in our life where we experience your love in, in a way that we just can't, can't describe. But I pray right now some people are experiencing it. I'm going to ask that we keep praying. And right now I'm going to ask you, if you're right with God, and I mean this, if you're right with God, would you start praying for everybody that needs to make this decision? Just start praying for them. Asking God to move. Asking God to help them. Praying they'll do it. 
And right now I'm going to lead a prayer. And if you today want to say yes to God, if you want to say come in, or God, I'm opening the door again, I'm going to ask you to pray this with me. Here's the question. Are you close to him right now? Do you know him? If you don't, if you don't, I'm going to ask you right where you're sitting. Let go of the disappointment. Let go of every, just, just tell him you're ready to say yes to him. And if you are, then just pray this with me now. Get ready. Say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. Just say that. I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross to forgive me of all my sin. You did it to heal me from all my hurt and pain, to free me from fear and worry. Lord, you love me. And you want me alive and new and yours. And I say yes. Oh, I want this. And I want you. So I open my heart to you. Please fill me with your love and fill me with your spirit. And help me be who I was always meant to be. Take me now. I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. And praise God if you prayed that prayer.